says, there are many truths of which full meaning cannot be realized until personal experience has brought it home. And that was John Stuart Mill that said that. The scripture that I want to use this morning is Revelation twelve eleven. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. So the word overcame is nikio, meaning to conquer, to be victorious in battle. Um, because of is a, dep- a preposition. It's like diameter comes out of that, to be ex- successfully across something or thoroughly. So they overcame him. They were victorious in battle, successfully through the blood of the lamb and successfully through the word of their testimony. And the testimony is proof or evidence. It is a solemn statement made under oath in court. It is an assertion firsthand that something is indeed a fact. So this scripture is saying that our testimony is a mighty weapon against the enemy. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb in our testimony. First of all, our testimony serves as evidence to others that indeed what God has done and who he is is truth. Second, it shatters the lie of Satan that we are alone. Many times he likes to tell us that we're the only one walking through this, that nobody understands. And when we share a testimony, then other people will know that, oh, somebody else has walked to this road. I'm not alone. If he can do it for them, he can do it for me. So I'm going to share my testimony. And God and I had a little fight about this. And he wins, so... Here I go. So I grew up in a Christian home. It was a strict Protestant faith um, with some strict holiness standards. You know, you couldn't wear pants. You couldn't wear pants. You couldn't wear jewelry. You couldn't go to movie theaters and you know, all that stuff. And um, so it was a very, a very religious system. And I never felt saved ever. I mean, I prayed through so many times. And um, I just had this, there was this, never really felt like you measured up to God or your idea of God and my parents were very strict they grew up in a strict home and my mom was a very broken person she had been hurt a lot so she tried to protect us and in doing so she shut community off from us her sisters her brothers um the church family like we were just it was just us so our home wasn't open and we didn't have a lot of community speaking into our lives so I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to growing up, so I remember sitting in my bedroom talking to God like he was on the end of my bed, and so I told him everything, you know, but I hadn't really heard him speak back to me, like I didn't hear, it was like a one-way conversation, like I told him everything and got it off my chest and didn't really hear the voice of God. So I had heard a lot of negative messages about who I was through my mom. And I didn't have a lot of positive feedback because I didn't have community in my life. So I was very active in church because that's what I had. And I loved being in the presence of God. And I served God with all of my heart as much as I knew, as much as I could. And when I was 16 years old, a missionary couple prayed over me. And they told me that they could see a ministry so large that it couldn't be numbered. But this completely overwhelmed me and freaked me out, and I didn't want anything to do with ministry. Because my idea of God was 
the scripture, the more, the more he gives me, the more he's going to require. What's God going to ask of me if he puts me in a position of leadership? So I ran from that as far as I could. So I graduated from high school and went off to university because my mom wanted me to be something because she could never be anything. So I went to university to be something. But quickly realized that my heart was not in university. It's not what I wanted to do. And I decided to go to Bible school. My mom was livid. She was very, very angry at me, so angry at me that she left my dad and told me that it was my fault. And she came back a week later, but it still hurt that she would blame that on me. And I went to Bible school, and I threw myself in that, and I learned, but I still didn't know who I was. I didn't know who God really was, except for my, what I had learned as growing up. So I became involved in music and evangelism, and I started to make decisions in my life that would alter my life. So I figured the only way I was going to go into ministry was to get married, marry a preacher, because it's bridal school, right? You go to bridal school, you get a preacher. So I started dating, became engaged to this guy, and uh, moved, like I graduated, and then I required a visa because I was in the States. So about that time when we realized I needed a visa, my fiancé said, well, I want my ring back. This isn't going to work. So here I was in the States, <laughs> nowhere to go, I've graduated, and I don't know how to get home because I'm not working, right? So I had to call my parents, and my parents came to get me, but I was completely devastated. And I went into a deep depression, and I stopped eating for two weeks, and my parents were going to put me in the hospital if I didn't start eating. So, I got a, so my mom had called this missionary couple because they were friends. And uh, she said, you know, I was going to call you. She said, I really felt that I'm supposed to talk to Stacy again. So she talked to me, and she said, I really felt you on my heart really strongly the last couple of weeks, and I've been meaning to call you. I really feel God wants me to tell you that he has a ministry so large for you, it can't be numbered. And that, at that time, I was, I was really desperate. I was really hurting. And I didn't know, didn't know where I was going in my life or I had no purpose. And that kind of gave me a purpose. Okay, God sees something in me that I obviously ain't seeing. So the Bible says in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Psalms 27, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so when I realized that God saw something, I didn't see it, gave me hope. So I leaned on him, and I started to pray that he would give me some direction. And within a week, I was offered a job position in Ontario at a new church plant in Kitchener as a youth leader and a Sunday school teacher. And I had to leave within four days to catch the ride. So I lived with the pastor of this family um, of the new church plant until I found a job. I became a living nanny. And it was at this church that I met my children's father. He had a criminal past. But he had given his life to God. He met God in prison. He'd been out of prison for four years. And um, I married him. 
and I didn't realize, because I, I had this thought that, you know, when you give your life to God, God changes you, right? And he does. But what I failed to realize is that, just like me, everybody has a journey of healing, and there's layers and layers of healing that is required. So here I was in pain from my upbringing, and here he was in pain from his upbringing, and we're married, and we're going to have a baby. So I get pregnant right away, and when Janelle was two weeks old, I had CAS at my door asking for my baby. And I was really shocked, and I slammed the door in their face, and I called the cops, which, of course, sided with CAS because it was a child protection concern because as soon as you register a baby under the father's name, the criminal past comes up, which we didn't expect. So CAS allowed me to keep Janelle on the grounds that my husband and I could no longer reside together. So we prayed and we fasted and we believed that God would redeem the situation and that we would be reconciled. But there was no hope or light at the end of that tunnel. They didn't give us any hope for that at all. But we prayed and we believed God. But the darkness was about to get darker as I got pregnant again. It wasn't because I was pregnant, but because CAS put pressure on me because I had another baby yet again with this man. And so they began to put stress on both of us, and the marriage began to break down. So we went to counseling to try to work through that because I had to become his supervisor. The only way he could have access to his kids is if I supervised his access to them, which required a lot of learning on my behalf and a lot of research. Um, so I went to counseling, and we tried to work the best way we could to co-parent and work through the stress. Um, but that's when the pain, you know, when you're under a lot of pressure, that's when the pain comes to the surface. And um, so I went to counseling, and I said, I don't want to reconcile anymore. The relationship is getting toxic, and it's abusive, and we're not working. This is not working. So about that time, the church prayed for us, and they called us up for prayer. And the pastor's wife, who I'd lived with, prayed aloud in front of the congregation that God was going to take my kids and my husband away from me because I was bent on doing things my own way, and I wasn't submitting to God. So there was a lot of spiritual abuse going on there. But it was at that time that I screamed at the top of my lungs, God, if that's who you are, then kill me right now. Because I don't want to live. I don't want to serve you if that's who you are. And that day my spirit died. I shut down. I had a two-month-old baby and a two-year-old little girl, but I shut down. And God knew where I was, even though I didn't know where he was. The Bible says his eyes are on the ways of immortals, and he sees all their steps. And in Psalms, it says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. God saw me, even though I didn't know where he was. I couldn't feel anything, not the presence of God, not anger, not pain. I left that church and went under different leadership, but I stayed in the same denomination. I went to a ladies' conference. It was during this conference that God began to soften my heart, and I began to feel his presence again. It was so strong that all I could do was cry. The pain was so intense that as he was opening me up, I could feel the pain, and, 
and I asked him to just stop. I couldn't handle it. And the presence of God lifted off of me. I left that denomination. My husband was stalking me in the denomination. He went from church to church to see if I was going. So I moved. I left that denomination. I filed for divorce. I went back to school. I got a job. I floundered around trying to figure out what I believed and who God was, and I didn't even know if I wanted to be a Christian. didn't know if I wanted anything to do with Christians or anything to do with God. It was at my job that I met Dean Nectal. It was at the first year of working together that we had several opportunities to chat. I was very bitter. I was disillusioned. I had tons of questions. So we had some pretty challenging discussions on our break times. I found out that he attended the vineyard and had some mutual friends of mine, so I decided to try it out. And that was a huge leap for me because these people weren't saved. That's how I was brought up. They weren't saved. So I don't know if God's going to be there or not. So Art Ray was teaching that morning. He was just here a couple weeks ago, um, the missionary to Brazil. He was teaching that morning on the Father's heart. And he talked about how God loves us just the way we are. And he asked people to come up for prayer. So the message that he was preaching was something I'd never heard of before. The God that I knew was a harsh God who required obedience and holiness. This God of love I didn't know, but I wanted to experience it. So I went up for prayer, and a lady prayed for me and said things that nobody could have known. Like, nobody there knew me. She prayed, God sees your pain. And he loves you right where you are. And he knows that you don't trust him. And he understands. He will show you over time that you can trust him. You say in your heart that God can't heal you. He wants you to know that he can. The hole in your heart is so big. And you think God can't heal it. But God has enough fabric to cover it. But it will take time. God will be your father. He will be your mother. And he will never leave you. And I knew then that I was in a place where I could hear God. I knew. And, and today I still can remember those words like they were just spoken to me yesterday. They were life. They were hope. They were oil to my pain. So I went to a ladies retreat with the vineyard and the vineyard ladies. And they were teaching on hearing God's voice. I'd never heard God's voice directly, only through other people. And I've learned that some people really don't speak the voice of God. But I heard God for the first time, and it was life-changing. It was exciting for me, and I knew I was on a course to find out who God really was and not who I was told he was. So I was looking up my journal. I actually found the article from the ladies' retreat in my journal. And the question we were supposed to ask God was, what do you see in me? And write down what we heard. Now, this is really hard for me to share this because I don't see myself like this. It says, Stacy, I want to tell you that I see your vulnerability and your beautiful spirit. You don't see how you impact others, but I do. And I know and I've seen the pain and the injustice that you've experienced. This has created a strengthening of your spirit. And I need you to trust me as you walk through life so I can show you just how wonderfully I can change things. You only see brokenness and chaos, but I see treasures and portraits of fine art. You are unique, and I love who you are, and I've had my hand on you from the beginning. 
that changed my life. Completely, I did not see myself that way. And I couldn't believe that God saw me that way. Because I knew who I was, and I knew what was in my heart, and I knew the choices I'd made. Later, I would attend Living Waters, and this was a course designed for people with relational brokenness, for healing. I was finding out that my belief system had lies in it, lies I was believing about myself, lies that I was believing about people, about God, and it was affecting my relationships. I'd been through two broken relationships, a marriage, a broken engagement, and I was about to get married again, and I did not want to go to that mountain again. I was scared to death to get hurt. And I really needed some healing, so I went to Living Waters. And they encourage um, listening and asking God questions and then journaling what he gives you and asking God what lies you're believing and asking him what the truth is in exchange for those lies. So most of my questions were about my identity and how he saw me and who I was, and the answers I got were ludicrous to me. It was hard to hear it. But um, God washed me with his words, and I was being healed, and he was depositing some great things in me. The one thing that I'm going to share, I mean, he shared a lot with me. I asked him how he saw me, and he gave me the most coolest picture. So (laughs) I said, okay, I want you to give me a picture of how he saw me. So he gave me a picture of this little impetuous five-year-old girl in a purple velour dress that had red ringlets that bounced as she bounded into a huge throne room. And I could just see she was just delightful. She's cute. And he's like, that's how I see you, and you delight me. I was instantly set free of the lies that I believed, the messages that I'd gotten in my upbringing and through life. And I was able to see God differently, that God loved me, that he delighted in me, that I was okay that he actually was more than okay he actually loved me he adored me that I was actually an awesome person so God has given me moments throughout my life where he would speak to encourage me he placed people in my life that showed me the love of God I'd never seen people love so well in all my life as the vineyard people I mean I grew up in some pretty judgmental religious upbringing but they they had fruit in their life so you judge people by their fruit. These people really knew Jesus. They knew how to love. And it was in that community that healed me. It taught me how to love because they exemplified it to me. Um, I'm still learning it. It was a big shock to me that people had rotating doors in their house where people could just come in and help themselves to their fridge. And, yeah, just come in, whatever. Just drop in, whatever. And they're just, that was just foreign to me. But loved it. It was very healing. It taught me community. And um, so I'm going to wrap up with this. Um, in Philemon 1.6, it says, The fellowship of your faith may become effective through the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ's sake. So I kind of broke it down a little bit. And the communication of your faith means koinonia, which means community, which is um, also almsgiving, which is acts of mercy. And effective means to be activated, to be operating. So Philemon is basically talking about that the community of your faith, how you display your faith in community, your acts of mercy, and how you love one another, 
activates the good things that God has done in you. So that's how God healed me was through community. God healed me through his words, words of life in community. And um, it activated good things in them as they shared with me, and it healed me. So hearing God's voice is where the power is. And the testimony is made up of all these moments when God interrupts and shows up and accomplishes something eternal in our innermost being. And it's sharing these things that will make you an overcomer because you are a witness to things that are true. Nobody can tell me that those things didn't happen and nobody can tell me that God's not real because I've heard him and he showed up and he's done amazing things in my life. So I encourage you to share your testimony with others, whether it's I didn't like my testimony. I had some pretty things in there that I didn't really want to share with people. But in doing so, we wreak havoc in the economy of the enemy.